Welcome to the Grip City Golf Podcast, your source for new information, insightful interviews, and good old-fashioned banter about golf in Portland, Oregon. Today's episode is presented by Brink and Brown Sanitation. Introducing the hosts of Grip City Golf, Andy Dirt Johnson and Eric Peterson. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in. Happy golf off season to everybody. Episode 15 of the Grip City Golf Podcast, a little off season edition. Andy Dirt Johnson here with you, hanging out with my buddy, my pal, Eric Peterson, EP. How's the off season been to you? Man? Oh, man, it's good to see you. Good to be back. It's not the off season, man. My handicap has been restarted. I, I went to go check what my index was the other day. And I noticed that I didn't have access to the gin system. And I was like, oh crap. So I paid my men's club dues at Eastmoreland. My handicap, was, my, my handicap was reignited. And to me, the golf season has officially begun. So this is not the <laughs> off season we have begun. This is now, the regular season. Let me ask you that. So hold on. I, I think I did that too. I want to make sure my handicap as we're, we're uh, live recording here, I'm going to open up my gin app and make sure a number pops up in my face. Okay. I'm, I'm showing up here. I think okay, I'm good, good to go again. I'm, uh, what did you end the year at? What was the final number of 2022? My index? Yeah. 6.1. 6.1. Okay. Did that go up or down for the year for you? It went up. Up. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'd like to say that I was grooving it to play in a member guest tournament or something, which partly true maybe off the record but also honestly dude i i'm struggling right now i'm on the struggle boss well you just don't play you got kids you got a family man you don't golf anymore what happened to you well and then when you start thinking about that as your excuse you start to play worse you i mean you and i have talked about this in the past like sometimes the more you think about what you're doing wrong the worse it gets so i need to get out of that i need to go talk to a mental game coach i need to go see my buddy I need to go see my buddy Grant Rogers down at Bandon Dunes. He needs to coach me back up. <laughs> he needs to tinker with your mind. Well, I closed it at 7.7. That definitely went down. For oh, me. that's so cool. So I, we're, I'd we're, play you if I'd give you one aside. That's right you now. would. I, I still don't feel confident in that situation, but I now have, we're going to get to new year's golf resolutions. And that's, that's my new one. Eric's going to keep slipping. I'm coming for you this year, buddy. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm crossing over the EP line. It's like the equator. Once you get over it, you know, you're legit. The senior tours in your future. So that's my ultimate goal for uh, for 2023. Now, let me ask you this, because I know when mine was, but I am curious because you and I talk a lot about, you know, it's off-season golf podcasts. Are we people going out golfing in this kind of conditions? I still chuckle sometimes when I get an invite of like, hey, you want to go golf on Saturday? And I check the weather and it's like 44 degrees and rainy. It's like, ah, football's on. I got a big screen TV. Probably not. When was the last time Eric Peterson played a round of golf? In Hawaii. We were there in mid-November, right before Thanksgiving. So okay. um, we were on Maui and I played twice at Kanapali over there. Okay. That was the last time I played golf. The last time I played in Portland um, was before that. So I think it was early November at Riverside with my father-in-law. I think it's just a matter of other priorities. Like for you, it's work and there's just other things going on in your life on the weekends. And for me, it's kids. And so we all have an excuse, but I, I do think that the elephant in the room is mother nature, because if it was summer right now, I would right. figure out a way. Of course, the days are longer, so that just gives you more time in and of itself. But just in terms of where golf is on the priority list, when the sun is shining, you know, you're in your office looking out the window, you're going to make it more of a priority when it's warm and sunny outside, if we can be totally honest, right? 
you want to get out of the office. Nobody wants to be sitting inside when it's crappy or when it's nice weather. When yeah. it's crappy weather, you look outside and you think to yourself, thank God I'm inside right now. I don't want to yeah. go stand out in this and this wind and this rain. I'm like, I could go to even if it's just to the range and undercover. It's like I could go hit range balls or I could take my kids to OMSI. And then you got to start <laughs> thinking about like, OK, I need to kind of build up some equity so that I can use it later in the, the golf season when it's nice weather. So you end up just falling into this habit of kind of putting golf on the back burner. But yeah, how, how many brownie points have I built up? How many do I have in the bank for my next round of golf? It is. I, I'm also a believer and we got a lot to get to on this episode. I love that we're just jumping right into it. I'm also a believer and I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I actually enjoy kind of and I, this is me as a sports fan and as a as a somebody who plays a lot of golf. I enjoy a mental break. Like, like I get like football season is the prime example of this where by the time July rolls around, I you're so ready and you're amped up and yeah. you're thinking about schedules and who are you playing and what games am I excited for? What duck or beaver games am I going to go to? Like by the time we get to now and we're kind of, you know, into January, there's a couple of weeks left. It's like, I can't wait for the playoffs. They're going to be amazing. The national title game was a dud, but once football's done, I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm ready for a break. Like what's next? Let's watch some college basketball. Let's get ready for baseball season. Golf's going on. Like I'm kind of ready for the next thing. And I, as I've gotten older, I've learned that that's the way I am as a golf. Like I play so much golf in the summer. This is a me problem. Cause I don't have a real job, but I play so much golf in the summer that by the time the season comes to an end, I'm like, all right, I feel like I fulfilled what I needed to this summer. And I'm, I'm just going to put them away for like two months. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to touch them. I don't want to do anything. And then by the, like, I'm now coming out of that hibernation and I've added 30 pounds through the holiday and I'm like, all right, spring's <laughs> around the corner. Let's start moving. I'm going to get the putting mat out and I'm like ready to go again. I got to, I got to be able to like get that desire back. And if I just keep playing year round, I feel like I lose it. You're like a bear coming out of hibernation. Like, um, you've, you've spent the, the winter, you know, just sort of thinking about what, like, what's your plan of attack for the year? So yes. You put on a few pounds, but let's put let's let's turn that into putting on a few yards off my my tee shot. Uh, there we go. We just we're adding distance now. That's what we're doing. I, I do think to to expand on that for me as a Portland golfer, one thing that really gets my juices flowing is seeing the first event at, at Kapalua. Right. Yep. I mean, you just see that tournament. It's kind of you expect to see it the first of the year, and then sure enough, it comes around and everything comes faster than we expected it to arrive, right? Like you just sort of go through life and Christmas arrives faster than you expected. Golf season arrives. And all of a sudden we're going to be talking like in August where we're going to be like, man, college football starts tomorrow. This is crazy. Every year. Ago, right? Every so, it all, year. so it always happens, but for some reason we're still surprised by it somehow. <laughs> but I do think that seeing the tournament at the plantation course in Kapalua, that to me is what flips the switch for me, at least following golf. Now playing it's, I think, much more heavily weighted on the weather outside. I do think that it's a good, you got to start somewhere, right? So let's start by watching it on TV. Let's start following some of the storylines, which there's been a lot of them actually going on. So that kind of kind of gets the wheels turning. Yeah, it, there's no doubt. I think that's where we, the, the, the idea of episode 15 came from, is that we were both sitting around watching the Century Tournament of Champions and thought, Golf's going to be here before we know it, and I want to talk some golf. So let, let's talk a little golf, and let's get to the Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, first off, what did we make of John Rahm? I turned it off. It was such a blowout bloodbath. Like, this is dumb. I'm watching NFL football, and the next thing I know, I'm looking at highlights on Twitter. Like, wait, Morikawa's chumping uh, chunk of chips? Like, what's happening here? So the, the comeback, and then you've had the chance to play the plantation course. So what does it bring back fun memories when you get to watch it on TV? First of all, the thing that can really – 
caused scores to fluctuate is the wind, which they didn't really have much of any. I mean, there was some wind, but it can blow 20 to 30 there without it being a big deal at all. And they didn't get any of that. And so it just makes it a lot, a lot easier. And the scores reflect that, right? I mean, if you look at the year in year out scores at the century tournament of champions, which I, I like to call the century of the century tournament of champions minus Rory plus everyone who made it to the tour (laughs) championship last year, but that's kind of a long, long one. So, but anyways, um, that, that tournament, like if you look at the scores, the winning score actually fluctuates quite a bit and you might, I know they've done some course changes and things like that, but I think in large part that's due to the wind. And so when I see it on TV and I think about when I got to play it, I I think when we played it, it was, it was windy. And of course, like when you're playing it and you, you probably played crappy. And so you'd say, Oh, it was cause it was so windy. And um, so maybe it wasn't really that bad, but I do remember it being windier than it, than it sure looked on TV, which again, it's hard to understand or see wind on TV other than just listening to what the announcers are saying. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I love that course. I think it's absolutely beautiful. I don't think anyone would disagree that the views there sitting up on the hillside there are just incredible that you can see Lanai, the Island in the background. It's an incredible property. The weather's always perfect. It just makes you want to want to be in Hawaii. Like I was saying, sitting there thinking like, (laughs) this makes me want to go back to Maui. And we were just there in November. So some of the um, excitement of being there was still pretty fresh, but I just, in terms of like playing that course specifically dirt, I think you and I've talked about this offline. It's expensive. I think it's like 450 bucks or something to play there up there, man. Yeah. And that doesn't even include the Ritz Carlton food and beverage prices. And of course the butterfly swag you're going to buy in the golf shop. It's easily a six or $700 day. And that's a lot for me. I don't know what you think about that, but um, <laughs> that is a lot for a, for 98% of people. Yeah. Right. So that, when I think about playing that course, that's like kind of the first thing I think of is it was really cool that I got to play it, but I didn't pay $700 to play it when I did. And so it was easier, <laughs> easier pill for me to swallow. So I don't know what you think about how exp- like playing in an expensive course like that, or, or if you even want to play that course, knowing that it's that much money. But it is, it's such a balancing act, right? So I, I heard from somebody who's going in the next couple of weeks and they said they've looked at T prices and the costs and everything. And I think the greens fees that they were going to have to pay were like 580 bucks. And the last time they went, it was, you know, three something, you know, many years ago. And he just, he, he you know, texted me and said, there's no chance. I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't pay that much for golf, especially with how much golf exists in Hawaii at a lot of beautiful courses, great settings, ocean views, like, how many different courses in the on that island can you check those boxes with that just don't have next to it? Oh, by the way, we also host a PGA tour stop that you watch on TV every year. And it's a funny balancing act. So I'm putting together a, a, my golf trips for the year and I'm, I'm kind of I've taken that role on in my friendship circle. Oh, you're Everybody that guy. Says, you're that, I'm guy, that guy. Everybody's got kids. Everybody's married. I'm the only one that doesn't have kids yet. And so I'm like, I got time on my hands. There's nothing worse than texting a group feed of like, hey, what weekends are you guys available in this month? And then like getting one response a day. And it's like, how am, I can't put this together. <laughs> so I just start texting people individually like, hey, here's what we're doing. We're going this month. What weekends work? What don't work? Like yeah. somebody's got to take the bulls by the horn. But I'm going to Phoenix, it looks like in March. And I'm going through the same conundrum because for me, I've never golfed in Phoenix. I've been to Phoenix a couple of times, but I never played golf down there. And I'm, there's like some courses that I'm looking at because we're about a month away from the waste management happening down at TPC Scottsdale, which is one of the more recognizable events of the 
PGA tour season and the crowds and the beer and 16, all that. And I started thinking to myself, now I haven't looked at rates yet of, is it important for me to, you know, knock that off my list and say, I played at a PGA tour stop, but I'm probably paying an extra easily 200 bucks, maybe for that 18 holes or go somewhere else where it's a beautiful course, great layout. I'm just not going to have the stories of saying, Hey, on 16, when you watch that and they're throwing beers at people, I got a birdie on 16, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because I, because I, I think that's really cool. If you made a birdie, it's like, no, nobody even really cares. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't, I couldn't humble brag that to you. You wouldn't get kudos. Well, and I'm speaking from experience. There's nothing against you. Like I've never played TPC Scottsdale, but I played TPC Sawgrass several times. And when the player's championship is on, if I try to mention that, that I birdied it the first time I played it, which is true. It wasn't even from the same tee, but I don't tell anybody that. Nobody cares. And then like, <laughs> you just sort of go back to, and we've talked about this before. Isn't there a hat about like, nobody cares what you shot or something like that. Yeah, like, Nobody cares what your score was or whatever. Yeah. Score, yeah. And so we're going back to that, like, okay, well, we should justify playing these expensive courses because we can tell our friends that we played it. Well, none of our friends care. So why are we going down that road? Right. Why would I pay an extra $200? So I think I've kind of settled my conundrum because I've been, I've, I've been bouncing this idea around in my head of like, all right, I got to get the trip booked and you're going to start looking at where do we want to play and all that. And it's, I, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't think it is. Now, the only caveat to that would be if I call the course and ask a month after the waste management, are your stands still up? <laughs> that might sway me. I've got, I got to be honest with you. Playing even if 16, they're empty. Even if they're empty, playing 16 with giant grand, grandstands around it, that might be enough to get my extra $200. I'm not going to lie to you. But if the grandstands are down, I'm out. I'm out. TPC Scottsdale. I'm not doing it. If the grandstands are up and you play it, I'm going to ask you right now to follow through on this. Take a video of, of you just pumping up the crowd that isn't there <laughs> before you tee off. Get everybody excited. Okay. All right. there and hit your nine iron. And, and I want to know how close you get. If I land on the green, I'm going to go tiger, raise the roof. Yeah. So that, that's going to be my move. Just looking around, raising the roof with everybody. It is, you know, it is funny when you see those and, and it is, that was a cool thing about having live at Pumpkin Ridge. You know, you're kind of watching it and seeing these guys play a course that that you've played. But there's so many great courses. And we'll get to that in a moment because we have a list that Eric pissed everybody off with, even though it wasn't your list, on the best <laughs> uh, golf courses in the state of Oregon. So I, I want to get to that in a moment. We did have a listener question that I'm going to kind of tie into what you were just talking about with Kapalua and the Century Tournament of Champions. And that was what uh, – let me make sure I get this one right because it came from Sean, and he wanted to know – you know, kind of as you're getting ready for the start of the year, what's your favorite pre-Augusta event to watch every year? And is it for you the Century Tournament of Champions or or is there a different one? That's a good question. I, It's probably not the Century Tournament of Champions. It's, it's probably, it might be the waste management just because the one cool thing about the tournaments that are early in this season, in my opinion, is that to me, they all kind of feel unique to one another when i think once you get into like june july august the regular pga tour events some of them start to feel like the same flavor of ice cream whereas yeah. i feel like these early events you've got pebble beach you've got tory pines you've got tpc scottsdale the venues are all really cool riviera you just have these cool venues these tournaments that feel like when you turn the tv on you know immediately what you're watching and maybe that's me just as a really passionate golfer, maybe some more casual golf fans on TV wouldn't agree with that. But I think the, the early events, part of what, why I think it's a great time of year is that all that to answer your question, like, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if I have a favorite. They're all, they're all kind of fun in their own unique way. 
And it's still kind of crappy weather here, but with each passing week, you get a little bit more of a glimmer of sunlight, right? (laughs) And so you get a little bit more motivated. And then by the time you get to the masters, it's like, it just, everything pops. And so it's like, all right, game on. The azaleas are blooming. I'm ready to go. It, for me, I will say, I, I think it has to be the waste management for me, not just because I'm going to go a 16 here in a couple of months, but yeah. you know, I love you how this- we've gone from maybe not going to play it to <laughs> now you're going to ace it. <laughs> that changed really quickly. We're going, we're going in the right direction. 2023 is the year of dirt. Okay. I got a good feeling about this year. No, for me, you know, you get this joke in the NBA where, you know, a lot of people will say the NBA season starts on Christmas. You know, like what, October, November, like Blazer fans, you'll pay attention. But for most of us, it's kind of like, oh, the Lakers won or they suck or, you know, you're not following the national storylines quite as as closely. For me as a sports fan, I will tell you, like the first weekend that I truly am all in for every second of a tournament is the waste management. Because it's yeah. tough this time of year. Like you're going head to head with NFL playoff games on Saturday and Sunday yeah. this weekend in Hawaii. Like You're going to struggle to get my viewership and my attention. Not that I won't be focused in seeing leaderboards and making bets in that, but when you, the waste management to me is perfect because it's the final week of football. So it's just a great time of like, all right, this is it. We get Super Bowl Sunday. There's the only, way, there's only one game. So it's not like you're sitting only down one watching game. red zone channel. Like exactly. Yeah. And it's the, it's such a great day of TV because it's yeah. always a chaotic final day at the waste management. And yeah. there's usually a good leaderboard and 16 and 17 and 18 are awesome. And they usually wrap up about 30 to 40 minutes before the Super Bowl starts. So you don't have to watch any of that pre you know, pregame crap that they're just yeah. going over the same numbers. And it's just, it's a perfect lead in. So for me, I think it is, I, I look forward to the waste management every year and I am a huge supporter of finding ways for individual stops along the PGA tour to, to capitalize on an audience and make it worth watching to your point yeah. a moment ago. I think there's so many, I'm with you in the middle of the summer that you're just like, Oh, it's the John Deere class. You know, just, they, they're all the same. It's the same. Why don't, why don't we always crap on the John Deere classic? I do that too. <laughs> it's the first name that pops into my mind. I don't know why, but like the way it's different, it's different than any other stop. And, you know, Kapalua is kind of that way because it's in Hawaii and it's in you know, January and all that. But the waste management to me, it's just, it's hard to beat because of the atmosphere, the timing of it. And the fact that it ends on, on Super Bowl Sunday, no pebble, no Tory. I love, I love that conversation. Those- I love those courses, but I've seen and not that I haven't seen, you know, TPC Scottsdale a million times, but I feel like I've seen Tory Pines a thousand times on my television. You know, you got to, you got to throw beers on me when I make a hole in one. That's yeah. It's what a, I want to see. It, well, and this year it, it happens. The Super Bowl is in Glendale, right? So, I mean, you want to talk oh, about a party. You guys should push your buddy's trip to Super Bowl weekend. Instead of playing golf, just go to the tournament. But I thought this was going to be an expensive trip in March. I can't even imagine what it's like getting to Glendale in, in the, the second week of February. It's going to be insanity. But it, it is a new year of golf, and that's always exciting because you turn the page. We have New Year's resolutions, things we're trying to accomplish. We got some good listener questions on that that I want to get to in a moment. But w- get, give me your New Year's resolution do and your New Year's resolution don't for 2023. What does Eric yeah. Peterson want to do and not do? Yeah. So when, when you and I were talking about this earlier, it's like, I, I feel strongly about the thing that I want to do this year, but I also have a couple of things that I'm going to stop doing. So that was kind of how we came up with this thought of like, okay, let's do uh, a do and a don't. So my, my new year's resolution for do has to do with equipment. And you know me, I'm not really an equipment tweaker guy. I don't get super into all that stuff. Some people do, some people listening do, I know for sure, but I'm just, I've, I've never really been that kind of guy. Um, but when I played golf in Hawaii, I was just, I kind of got this idea to do a mixed set of 
irons. I've got Callaway blades and also Callaway X forged. Anyways, my new year's resolution is to commit to a mixed set of irons that I think will help me. Cause I kind of like one, I kind of like the other, but I'm going to combine them together. And, and people might say like, well, that's not really a resolution to do that. But my, the reason why it's a little bit more challenging is that I'm going to just stick to it the whole year. I'm not going to go in out on off, maybe, maybe not. I'm going to just build this set that I already have and just ride that through the whole season. So if anybody has comments, thoughts, feedback on having done that at some point in your golfing life, I would love the moral support, um, any suggestions for how to stick with that. Maybe it's going to cause my mind to go even more bananas than it did last year with regard to my handicap going up farther. Who knows what's going to happen, but that's part of the adventure, right? I'm going to grip it and rip it and it's going to be totally fine. I, I love it. That's a good do for this year. You're fully committing. I like that. Now, do you have a don't? What's your what's your canceling New Year's resolution? So my I'm not going to do this anymore resolution is I'm going to stop talking about tending the flagstick or should we tend it? Should we not? The whole COVID thing where we all got really confused about should the flagstick be touched and germs and the whole thing was chaos, right? I mean, I got to the point where We've talked about this in previous pods where it was kind of an awkward thing on the first green because you gotta you gotta ask that question to your to your playing partners if you don't know them or played with them of like, hey, how do you guys like the flag stick to be handled? Right. And it's just a stupid thing. <laughs> do you want it in or do you want it yeah. out? Or what about if it's a long putt? Like, do you are, do you care about your score today? Like it's just all stupid. And so <laughs> my I'm not gonna do that anymore is I am going to erase all memories of the flag stick being a topic of conversation. Okay. Does that mean that I want it to be tended at all times? Absolutely not. If we're out playing hit and giggle, you and me, and I'm 50 feet away from the from the hole, I can't see it. I'm not going to ask you to tend it, okay? Like because it doesn't matter. But if we're playing in a tournament or if it's a serious round and you want the flag stick in for your 6-footer, I'm going to I'm going to ask to have it out, okay? Because that's what that's what we did before COVID. That's what we did before we got in this mess with the flag stick in out. This gets me fired up. I think that that flag stick thing just got way out of hand. I blame COVID. It's collateral damage from COVID that nobody talks about. The flagstick issue needs to be put to bed. Thank you very much. I, I love that. It does. And everybody's going to be different. It's not that big of a hassle. I, you know, I, everybody, everybody in a group is going to have different feelings. And I like to, I pride myself in being a guy that just goes with the flow. Cause I genuinely, it doesn't matter to me if it's in or out. I've gotten so used to it being in, you want to keep it in. If there's somebody in the group that's adamant, it's got to be out. I'll go with the flow. But I, I like, hey, th- we're getting past that issue. I'm going to play the golf that I, with the way that I want to play. And if I want the flag out, I'm taking the flag out on short putts. I like it. That's, that's a good get rid of. And if, you, and if you approach me on the first green and say, hey, Eric, we need to talk about the flag stick. We haven't talked about that. I'm going to say, let's, let's just play golf. How about, go hit, how about go hit your chip shot over there and don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> I now know the first golf round I'm going to play with this, you this year. I'm totally saying that on the first green. Hey, EP, you want an in or out, buddy? You need the, you need the, need the flag stick in? Who you cares? Can see the hole? Are you going to be all right? Go hit your fifth shot. Go, yeah, go make, go make your bogey over there, okay? Well, that's a good one. I, I'm going more so, I, for me, it's, it's, uh, I, I go personal things, and I, you know, this is kind of two things that I really want to accomplish this year. My don't is an easy one, and that is we all say it, and I'm going to say it again, and it's probably not going to happen because that's what a New Year's resolution is. It usually ends by, like, March. So we'll see how long it lasts this year. 
I'm not going to let one negative shot affect my mindset or one bad <laughs> hole affect my mindset. Now, again, it is January 10th as the as of the time of this recording. It is very easy to say that on January 10th and much more difficult to put into practice in July and August when my game is supposed to be at its peak form at the end of the summer. But that's my biggest thing. I had so many rounds last year that I can't even begin to tell you. I, you, you know, shoot a 37 on the front. You're feeling great. Double bogey on 11 and it just hits the side of a mountain. Like, why does that have to happen? Bad holes are going to happen. I'm not perfect. I'm not on the PGA Tour. My expectations aren't that high. Why do I allow one bad shot or one bad hole to derail an entire round? That is my number one pet peeve. Do not do that this year that I'm putting into effect. Will it last? Probably not. But How, do, how are we going to know? But how are we going to know if that bad shot has affected you? Is it a cuss word? Is it a certain reaction? Like, how are we going to know that, okay, he's, he's violating his resolution because he's <laughs> letting that shot affect him? I feel like it is in the continual, what, what is happening on the holes next to that? Now, it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, obviously going to always bounce back with a birdie on the next hole. But does it, I allow one bad hole to turn into a bad back nine or a bad hole to turn into a bad front nine far more often than it should. Okay. And I feel like my base level of golf is, you know, if I'm, if, you know, 40, 40, I'll take that anytime, right? You're, you're getting your chance to break 80, a couple over par, birdie here, double bogey there. Like, all right, I, I can live with that. If I, if I show some splits that are more 37, 45s, you know, 46 38s that that's when the issue is going to come into play so just check my splits and you'll be able to tell did did it ruin his day was that was that the beginning of the end and if the answer is yes then i'm not putting into effect so that's my biggest don't my biggest do and this also go back and i'm sure our buddies uh travis and zach will love to hear this i want to play in more events this year like where there's actual scoring ball down money on the line flag stick tended like i there are so many cool events that you can play in and i love the rush when you get to go play in one and you see the hundreds of people out there warming up, getting ready to go, like you get into the mix. Some days you play well, some days you don't, but having that just little bit of an extra yeah. kind of, and you know, that little uneasy feeling on that first tee as you're stepping up and you know, this is going to count and I can't hit a breakfast ball like that. I don't know. I, I love that feeling. And I want to put myself in more positions like that this year. Your first practice of that exact mindset should be 16 at TPC Scottsdale. There we go. Pretend like there's people in the grandstands and it's going to be on video I, for everyone. As I raise the loaf when, uh, when, when we're, when we're putting, knocking in our birdie putt, baby, <laughs> that's, that's the way it's going to go. So there we go. There's our new year's resolutions in golf. We'll see if they stick and how long they make it, but I like it. I also like your quest to kind of, you got to round out your bag. I like that. That's a good thing. I might buy a new driver this year too. I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger on that, but what are you going to buy? I don't know. I don't know, but I saw a you're, tiger you're a Instagram. I, I saw the tiger Instagram new uh, Taylor made driver video today. And I thought, God, that looks good. <laughs> I so you, so you want to be an old man that can't walk 18 holes. I mean, that's kind of where I'm getting. I'm getting, we're getting old, buddy. I need a little more. I need a little more bang for my buck here. You know, I don't know if my old, my young man clubs are going to get the job done anymore. Uh, let's get to something that pissed everybody off. And that is uh, I, all the animosity should go to Eric Peterson, even though he did not rank these courses, but he was the one that, put it at grip city golf on Twitter and everybody started arguing. And this came from just golf, good old golf.com. And they ranked the 15 best courses in the state of Oregon. And this is a brand new ranking. This is, was just came released out December, December 28th. Yeah. December 28th is when it came out. So I, here's, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we have both, we kind of went through this and we were getting ready to record. We both played about eight, maybe of the 15 courses. We have not gotten all of them. 
I'm going to start at 15, work my way down, and then we're going to we're just going to have our biggest uh, airing of grievances and which ones we we disagree with. So All right, we'll get through get through this list so we can hurry up and start. So we can start yelling. Uh, 15, Tethro and Bend. 14, Crosswater, uh, also in Bend, but they say Three Rivers. Uh, Pronghorn, number 13, the Nicholas side. 12 is Witch Hollow with Pumpkin Ridge. 11, Bar Run. Down at, down in uh, Roseburg. That's that new course, right? Yeah, I believe it's new. Yeah. yeah. Ten is Astoria Country Club. Nine, the other side of Pronghorn. Uh, eight is Waverly. Seven, Eugene Country Club. Six is Sylvie's Valley Ranch, way out there in Eastern Oregon. And then the top five, probably to the surprise of nobody, rounds out Panda Dunes, where they go. Sheep Ranch five, Old Mac four, OG Band and Dunes number three, Band and Trails number two. And then uh, Pacific Dunes, number one. So what what is the biggest airing of grievances from one Eric Peterson? So when I looked at this list, the first thing I thought of was you mentioned this, that I've only played half of these. So that was my first thought is like, man, I'm from Oregon. I've worked in the golf industry a long time. I feel like I've played a lot of courses just around the country, quite frankly. But here we are in my own home state. I've only played... I think it was eight or nine of the top 15 courses in Oregon. So that was the first thing I thought is the shame that I need to improve. That should be one of my new year's resolutions, to be honest with you. It's That's like a good to, one. Get out and play more courses. Yeah. And if we're, if we have to be specific, I'd say knock these out and play all of these. But so that after I thought about that, my next thought was that the ranking of abandoned courses is interesting. I mean, um, a lot <laughs> of people don't think that trails is number two. I personally think it's number one. I just, I know I'm in the minority on that. Some people think that I say trails because I made my first ace there. Some people say I'm just trying to be different. Um, I genuinely think that, you know, because I used to work there, I've played all of them many times. I just feel like Bandon Trails is the most fun to play every day. You know, you can't beat the the majesty, the, the sweeping views of the ocean holes you get at Pacific and Bandon Dunes and now Sheep Ranch. But I just think that um, Trails is awesome. So surprising though still to see Trails at number two. What, what do you think about the Bandon courses in the order of them? Because I don't think anyone would disagree, like you said, that one through five are the courses abandoned. Although maybe some would say Sheep Ranch doesn't belong on there, but we'll leave that I, Now, then maybe this is controversial. I, I would argue in the top five, and I've had a chance to play some of the other courses a little bit further down the list. I, I personally, my hot take on that, I don't have a, if you want to go, you know, Pacific Trails and then Bandon Dunes, I would go Pacific, Bandon Dunes, and then Trails. Yeah. But I think those are the three best courses in the state of Oregon, and yeah. I have no disagreement there, just differing on the order. I don't know if Old Mac and Sheep Ranch belong in the top five. That, that's my hot take on this in the state of Oregon. As somebody who has gotten a chance to play crosswater, as somebody who's gotten a chance to play some of these other courses a little bit further down the list, Tethro included, I, I don't know. If, if you told me, hey, you can pick, pick one trip, you're going to Bend and you can only play Old Mac, or I can send you to Bend and you can play crosswater, I think I'm taking crosswater over Old Mac. And that might piss people off. The one that is that definitely doesn't belong in the top five, and and I, I love Bandon. All the courses are amazing. She, I, Sheep Ranch is not a top five course in the state of Oregon. Views, the, the panoramic, 100%. But in terms of an actual golf course, which is, should me, to me, should be the most determining factor to this, that there's no chance in my mind that Sheep Ranch is a top five course in Oregon. Nine greens on the edge of the, of the bluff, though, Dirt. Nine greens. I know. It's beautiful. But when it comes to the nuance of the course, when it comes to not having any bunkers, 
when it comes to hell, there's like six holes on sheep ranch where you got to have a caddy to tell you which direction am I even going on this hole? Like, wait, <laughs> am I going to this hole? South. Am I going to that yeah. hole? Am I going left yeah. here? Which way I mean, am I, I mean, it's off? one thing like, to know, to need to know like what line to take, but at sheep ranch, sometimes right? you don't even know where, which direction like you're six supposed flags to go. in the distance. Yeah. Like, I don't know which one of these damn flags I'm hitting at. Fair enough, but that's, a, that, I, that's not an indictment on the course in my opinion, but I, I hear you on some of the other stuff to me, like the bunker, the grassy bunker areas that haven't really grown in yet. Those are more like little chipping areas than they are hazards. I think there's a lot of arguing that can be made for why that doesn't deserve to be in the top five. I think that out of respect for the state of Oregon and how much amazing golf there is around this big state, I think one course that you've mentioned, whether it's Crosswater or Eugene Country Club or Pronghorn or whatever it is, I think that one of those deserves to be mentioned among the top five courses in Bandon. I almost just feel like this list was just automatically top five is Bandon and then everybody else. And so yeah. to me, that's a little bit unfair. Once we get past the whole Bandon argument, you're telling me that Columbia Edgewater is not even on this list. Columbia Edgewater. Have you played there? I, I have played Columbia Edgewater. Yeah. And I, I think you're flipping a coin with that or Waverly, probably the two nicest private courses in the area. And Portland Golf Club isn't on there. I mean, yeah. those are, you kind of lose, you kind of lose me a little bit if those two aren't on there. Now you've done Eugene Country Club and you rave about Eugene Country Club. So you feel it's the, it's my It's 10? my favorite. It's my favorite Oregon course outside of Bandon. Okay. Okay. It's, yeah, and- it's so good. I mean, people out there who've listened, we talked to the Duke Minier brothers last year that those guys grew up there. We could get them on to pump that place up, but that place is so freaking good. <laughs> now, what about pronghorn? I've, I've never played pronghorn. There are some courses in Bend that I, I, I think deserve consideration. Crosswater might be, uh, I, I think I would probably put in my personal top five crosswater. That's one that, that I just, I love the views, the layout. It's an absolutely gorgeous course. Um, tough to get on. You got to know some people because I believe it's mostly private at crosswater, but that one was a great one to check off my bucket list. What do you think pronghorn having two on here, both sides of pronghorn making the list? Yeah. The, I, I think that both those courses are fantastic. I've, I've played them both and, they're awesome. And I think that part of it that maybe this is not fair, part of what pumps pronghorn up a little bit is the amenities, the vibe there. It feels remote. It just kind of has this air of super premium when you're there. And to me, that probably is what kind of brings it up a notch or two in the eyes of these course raiders. I just think that I don't have any issues with both those courses on there. I just, I just think I can't stop thinking about Columbia Edgewater and Portland Golf Club have to be on here. And I just look at some of these others like Astoria. I'm sorry, but that I just don't agree with that one. And, and I haven't played Sylvie's Valley. I haven't played Bar Run. Maybe you and I need to add that to our New Year's resolutions to get out and play those. That's a long, those are, those are a little bit longer treks. Those are, you know, all the way down to Roseburg. So Sylvie's Valley is the number one course in Oregon outside of Bandon, according yeah. to Golf Magazine. That's the one. That's what they're saying. You got to go get a goat caddy and go play Sylvie's Ranch. Maybe we'll put that on the uh, on the bucket list. You, you put this out on social media. We had a couple of responses. Uh, Zach, our good buddy from Northwest Golf Guys, he said, toss Sylvie's and sheet, flip pumpkin to ghost, throw in Gearheart and Ben Country Club. And we're getting a closer. Uh, Wade responded, Sylvie's and Astoria have no business being on there. So here's somebody <laughs> who's played Sylvie's. Move Old Mac from the Bandon Resort and it's abysmal. Portland Golf Club abysmal, and Edgewater. Abysmal is just so strong. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah, I can't on. go that far. I'm you're not the biggest. You're, you're telling me that if Old Mac was in Cannon Beach 
as a standalone. Right. You're telling yeah, me hitting that shot into seven with the ocean in the background, like that, that, that would yeah. be abysmal. Yeah, I think it's... abysmal is too strong. I understand people who don't think that old Mac is everything that it maybe is, um, is set out to be. I just feel like that's too strong of a word. Thank you. Yes. It, it, abysmal is way too strong of a word. It's, it doesn't, in my mind, belong in the top five, but it is not a, it is a top 15 course in the state of Oregon. Uh, and then he also had a Portland golf club in Edgewater, to, to your argument, both better than Waverly. I, I don't know. I, you know, that, that to me is teach their own. Waverly is an incredible course, and I, you know, it deserves a lot of the recognition that it gets. But I do think showing more love for the Portland area golf scene would be nice. But I, I think we have had a new, uh, a new field trip challenge, and that is to get down to Bar Run this summer and get to Sylvie's Ranch this summer. I think we and should do it. Sylvie's it, Valley is so far away. We've talked about this. It is yeah. like six hours from anywhere. I mean, you're, you're like, I feel like you're golfing at that point in Montana almost. It feels like that long of a drive. Uh, but I do, you know, this to me, I love your point about, and I think almost any golfer in the state can read this and say, wait a minute, I haven't played about half the best courses in the state of Oregon. One, if you've never been to Bandon, you're missing all the top five. If you don't play a lot of golf over in Central Oregon, there's about five or six courses on here that are just in the Bend and greater, you know, Sun River Bend area that are amazing. You got Southern Oregon obviously tied in deep Eastern Oregon tied in. I want a little bit more Portland on there. Uh, but I think that's a really cool thing to remind yourself of the great golf scenes that we have here and how we need to all be playing these courses more often because we haven't done it. So I, I knew that one would get testy. Somebody had responded when you posted this and said, what are your opinions? You said, don't worry, we'll get to it on the next episode. It might get a little heated, but it, it clearly uh, people are passionate about which golf courses they love the most and which ones they, uh, which ones they don't. Which uh, is good, right? If it was if it was really obvious and we looked at it, the article wouldn't be interesting. I think I don't want to say that I like shock journalism and clickbait and all that crap, but I do think that because it's arguable or, or maybe debatable is a friendlier word and <laughs> 19th hole <laughs> fodder, whatever you want to call it. Right. I think that that makes it more fun. So we do, like you said, I agree. We've got some great stuff going in Oregon and it's fun that we can even have a debate like this. It is awesome. Now let's settle this one and I'll, I will allow you to be the judge and executioner on this because I, I hate to be the fence sick guy. I see arguments to both. I love both. There's things that I don't like about both. And I, th I think it's ab about as split as our poll question indicated, but some were upset the side of pumpkins showing up in the top 15. And so you put up a poll question. The best pumpkin Ridge golf course is ghost Creek or witch hollow. And it ended, I mean, Almost as close as you could possibly get. Which Hollow won 51% of the vote. Ghost Creek won 49% of the vote. And I will allow you, Eric Peterson, because, I again, I love them both. There's things I dislike about both. I played them both a ton. Which, which side of Pumpkin Ridge is the better golf course? Which Hollow is my favorite, if I had to pick one. But it's probably, my opinion about that is probably about as close as the poll results. I'm thinking that it's like 50.2% Which Hollow 49.8% Ghost Creek. <laughs> the first thing I think of, of of why which is better is pace of play. Ghost Creek is slower um, on a routine basis, which obviously being private, there's fewer golfers. There's not as much competition for time. So it's naturally going to be faster. So that's the first thing, reason why I lean toward which, fair or unfair. The second is that I think the last five holes, call it like the finishing stretch at Witch Hollow is awesome and i i think that the the finishing stretch at ghost creek is really good i just mm -hmm. think that it's a little bit uh, more awesome at which so that's my reason for why i would lean toward witch hollow 
Okay. All right. That's fair. The closing stretch is cool. I love the the difference of the whole. They they all feel unique in their own right. I mean, eighteen is a cool hole, man. I mean, you're really- t- I mean, like you gotta you gotta hit it in play. You can't pull it off the tee on eighteen, or else you're basically reteeing. And then the yep. second shot is like, okay, what do I do here? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, if you don't if you don't crush it off the tee, you might have to think about laying up short of that hazard area on eighteen. There's just a lot of different things at play on eighteen, and I, I just think that that hole is it's great for TV. There's been a lot of cool stuff that's happened in tournaments that they've hosted. I just think that, that hole's awesome. Yeah, you got the closing stretch of the, the par five that is somewhat reachable, but the green feels like it's the size of a postage stamp. And then you go to Tiny. a par three over water that's kind of a fun hole, kind of a signature hole, a shorter par four that is a, a scorable hole, a little more, more manageable. 17 is a total bitch. That 17 gets me every time I play there. Just a weird angle, dog leg left. If you don't hit it in the right spot, you don't have a clear shot into the green. And then to your point, when you're standing on the tee at 18, it feels like it's 30 miles wide. Like I got all this room out here that feels like it's a massive fairway. And then you quickly realize if you hook it too far left, you're done. And if you bail out too far right, you got those big bunkers up at the top of the fairway that you might end up in. And there's no chance you're getting there uh, clearing the, the hazard in two. And so I, I'm with you. I like that closing stretch. There's a lot of character on that course. Probably edge which, but they both have their strengths and weaknesses. Drainage being a little bit different on each side. I love that it was a 51% to 49% on the poll question about as close as you could possibly get. Again, I think that not every, I mean, there's not a lot of 36 hole golf facilities in Oregon, but I think that no matter where a 36 hole facility is, usually there's one that is, that is pretty much it's the consensus is that it's the better of the two. I, I think that the fact that it's basically 50, 50, I think says a lot about that property in general. So I think, um, that's pretty awesome that we're having this debate about which course is is the better course out there. And I think that you could make strong arguments on either side. And I don't think that anyone who thinks that which is better, like Zach commented, I, I just think that's cool. I respect that. Sometimes people on Twitter, they use really bombastic language to try to prove their <laughs> point. And I don't even know if they actually truly mean it or believe it. Uh, I think it's okay to kind of float down the middle. Let's play a 36 hole day at Pumpkin Ridge. I think that's a pretty awesome day. Let's do the whole thing, man. I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's great when you can elicit uh, opinions and people get fired up about stuff like this. And it clearly had it at, at which. Now, let me rattle through a couple of Twitter questions we got. Taylor continues to be the king of the Twitter question. He sends us a diatribe every single episode that we record. I don't even know if he got the indication that we were going to record. We didn't say anything. He just said, here are more questions uh, for your next pod. And it happened to coincide kind of last week when we were getting ready to start. And he has a whole slew of questions. So I'm going to try and throw a couple at you here and see how you feel about them. Do you make any season goals for your performance on the golf course? I need to get my handicap lower. That's for damn sure. Yeah. 6.1 is the highest it's been, I think, since I was in high school, like early high school, actually. So I need to get that straightened up. But that, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, everybody wants to get better, right? So that's not really an interesting goal. What about you? Yeah, I, yeah, my, I, I want to, I want to have a, a peak moment this summer. I, my, my big goal this year is to break seventy. I feel like I can do it. I feel like I have the game to do it. There's courses that I like that fit my eye that are attractive to me, and so that's my big goal. I want to, I, season long, I'd love to play great, but just having a day where all the stars align, you kind of get out of your own way and you execute. That's my biggest goal for this year. Is to do you tee it forward in the winter? No, I don't see, I don't see the point. I mean, if it's a course that I've never played, like if we were abandoned, like when I was down there and it would be really, if it was really bad weather in the, in the winter or something like that, we would tee it forward just 
for fun, I guess. And I guess it, to some extent, I, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. And so the answer is yes. When we were down at Bandon, we would do that just to mix it up and have fun. But if I'm just going to play a regular course, like say we went and played a, a good winter course like Langdon Farms or something, I'm not going to play the white tees just because it's winter time. Nah. Yeah, here's the one thing I will say about wintertime. I don't just move it forward for the winter. I'm more amicable to what is the group doing in the winter because we're not posting and it's, you know, my handicap isn't going to be impacted if I play whites or tips or blues. I got, if, if I'm playing with three guys in the winter and they're all like, hey, we're playing whites, I don't want to be the one guy that's teeing off on a different tee box on every hole. So you're, I, I am, you're just here to have a good time. I'm just out here to get out. Let's hopefully it's a sunny day. It's not pouring rain and it's not cold and we're just swinging the clubs and having fun. And so I'm, I will be, I'm more willing. Now if we're posting season in the summer and we're out there playing a course that doesn't have a great rating and they want to play whites. Like, sorry, I'll tee off over you all day. I'll, I'll move it back. We got to keep the handicap in, uh, in shape. Um, let's see here. How much do you pay attention to or care about new club release season? Huh? You in on that EP? No, <laughs> I just think that there's too much made about game improvement via the latest equipment. Yeah, I'm only if I'm in the market to buy something will I pay attention. Like if I'm going into the season knowing, hey, I need a, I need some new irons this year, or hey, I'm looking at some new wedges, or I'm I'm kind of in that mode with a driver. I don't need one, but I'm an idiot and want to spend money that I probably don't have to. Uh, I then I'll pay attention a little bit, but I'm with you. I don't. I usually just see it when I go to a certain shop, and you're like, oh look at that, they came out with a new driver, huh? All right, let me try that one out, see how it goes. It's kind of uh, cool to see other people get into it seeing somebody that they've got some new big driver, whatever. Oh yeah. This was $500. I'm like, okay, cool, bro. Thumbs up. Like, I mean, I, I don't mind, but I'm not yeah, going to shell out that money. You spell you spend your money. However you want to spend your money. It's good. That doesn't matter to me. Uh, I know, as you said, I know dirt has the running Y yearly trip, which by the way, top 15 course in the state of Oregon. How is running? Y not involved? Get, come on. We need it. We need to add running Y there. Uh, Eric, do you have any traditions with your buddies? Any golf traditions you got with your boys? Well, we go to Bandon every other year. And this year, it's kind of like the Ryder Cup that way. And so this is our, our Bandon year. We're going the week after the Masters. Okay. So mid-April. I'm looking, I'm looking so forward to that. It's an awesome crew. I'm so excited. Eight people is the most perfect number at Bandon. And yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. I feel like eight is the perfect number for any golf trip. That's like the ideal... Eight, 60, you can get bigger than that. You can go three, four sums if you want. Four is a little too small. Uh, eight is eight is perfect. You can mix up playing partners, have some fun different side games going. Eight, eight is always the uh, the for some two. for some reason I I think about the logistics of scoring. The more you have, the the harder it is to get it all figured out. Granted, abandon they're really good at helping you with run a tournament. So people listening have probably been there for a bigger event and said it was completely fine scoring wise. But if you're doing the scoring yourself bigger number makes it harder. The second for me, and especially abandoned is you can fit eight people in a shuttle from one course to the other, but 12 is a little bit more challenging. And so just the little nuance of the uh, kind of being together and as one unit between rounds or before rounds being in the shuttle together is fun. And then also in that same vein, sitting around a dinner table, like 12 people getting a table for them, getting a reservation is harder than it is for eight. Eight is just basically a big dinner party. No big deal. Um, 12 is a little bit more challenging. And obviously the, the higher you go, the, it just gets all the more hard. So I think that eight's the perfect number. Bandon is the perfect place for a buddy's trip. I just couldn't be more excited to go on that trip. It's, it feels like it's been too long. And now we get to go down there and 
it's just going to be epic. So I'm excited. It's going to be golf. How long are you going for a week? You playing all the courses, doing everything, crossing yeah, them we're, all off? We're playing six rounds. We're playing uh, four nights, three days of golf, pretty standard. Our last day will be 36 holes and then a capper at the preserve, which Ooh. will be just, it'll just be really fun. That's perfect. I, that's one of my bucket list things this year too. I've been talking with buddies. Like I got to get a, a regular band and trips on, on the books where it's just, Hey, the, yeah, every year, whatever month it is, fall, you know, probably more so in the winter, just easier, a little bit cheaper, saves you, saves you hair money, but just having one that's like, all right, everybody knows third week of February, this is our band and trip. This is the week that we're going to go. Uh, last one from Taylor. And I'm sorry, Taylor, we didn't get to all of them. And this is an emphatic no for me. I want to make sure Eric threes do simulator hole in ones count. Oh, heck no. Okay. Thank you. I mean, come on. No, it's not real golf. No, didn't actually go in the hole. Uh, Duncan wants to know last one from listener uh, suggestions, uh, any courses around Portland that particularly are in particularly good winter shape. I know Langdon's always the one that stands out the most to me. You got any others that stand out to you? Well, I haven't played, so I can't speak from perspective, but I know that I feel like Heron Lakes does pretty well. Um, great blue. I just feel like if, especially if you get some wind to kind of dry it out a little bit, um, Heron Lakes, maybe people are listening saying thumbs down, but I, I wouldn't mind going playing Heron Lakes if we got a sunny day. Langdon, obviously. Stone Creek is another one. I feel like it's kind of the same horses every year, right? You as a private golfer now, maybe you don't branch out as much as you <laughs> used to in playing places like Stone Creek, but I think that Stone, Langdon are probably one, two, and then a smattering of others around if you catch a good day. I'm actually, I'd, I'd love to hear what people out there who have actually played in the last few weeks um, would say. Obviously, if we're getting a deluge of rain, there's no course probably that would be draining great. But yeah, I'd, I'd be open to, to hearing what other people have to say on that topic. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Tweet us at Grip City Golf. Let us know. I'm, I'm with you. I don't play a ton in the winter as we kind of started the pod talking about. And so I do like shouting out courses that are willing to invest in it because it's important. You need it. And there's a lot of courses this time of year that if you invite me within a mile, I'm saying absolutely. Not. No, yeah. it's just not. I love playing golf, but it's not worth it losing balls in fairways and, you know, slushing around. It just no, I, no I, I have no fun doing that. Golf is great. Not like that. And so I love making sure we shout out the courses that invest in it, the courses that put money into it, uh, and, and it pays off. Langdon is, is the main one that I think everybody talks about, and rightfully so. They've invested a ton of money in their drainage over the years, and it, it shows. You go play a, a round of golf there in February. Now, it's not perfect. It's February in Oregon. You're going to have your little mud pits and your issues probably off the fairway. But as long as I know if I'm hitting the ball straight and I'm landing the ball on the green, I'm not going to lose it and it's not going to plug. I'm all in. You can get my money in the winter. So I, I, I like shouting them out. Langdon's the first one that jumps to my mind. Stone Creek's pretty good. OGA is okay. I played OGA before in the winter. So there's a few of them. But let us know at Grip City Golf on Twitter um, if there's any of those courses that, uh, that we're forgetting, that we're not talking about. Uh, you got anything else you want to get to this week, buddy? Anything else on episode 15? I think that you and I just need to keep in touch about getting out when the sun's out i've still never played persimmon so if you can talk your head pro and to let me on as your guest one day maybe that we can do that together I, I think we need to just get over the flagstick conversation and so maybe we can just just try to just get that out of the way sooner than later that would be fun but yeah i, I we, we talked earlier about the season is is approaching quickly right i mean it's 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 already kind of started on tv and as you were mentioning, like with each week that passes with football, there's less games on TV. So it's less of a park on the couch for six hours and watch red zone channel and more of a 
hey, get out in the morning, play golf and make it home in time for the, the conference championship games type of deal. So there's more flexibility. The days are finally starting to get longer. It's still dark at 4.30, but there's light at the end of the tunnel there. So I would just say that uh, between for you and me, let's get out and play a little bit more. Let's start working on our New Year's resolutions. I want to show you my combo set. I want to um, see it, dude. I got to see the bag, man. I, I want to have you rehearse maybe your, your pre-shot routine for TPC Scottsdale raising the roof. <laughs> you know, we, there's some things that we can work on, you know, get the, just get the juices flowing here before the season really starts. I'm all in buddy. I'm all in. I need to get you out to persimmon because you know, uh, this summer, if all things go according to plan, you're going to be my ringer. So we need okay. to get your handicap, but don't bring it down yet. I'll let you know the dates, uh, member guests. I, I need, I need you out there. Okay? okay. I need you to deliver. So let's keep, let's get you up to about a seven, the ideal. And then you're going to strike while the iron's hot. We're going to take home some money and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Nobody's listening to this, so don't worry. Hey, we're good. Nobody at Persimmon's gonna know that. Just kidding. No, I, 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 I post everything, man. And so if someone wants to say I'm, I'm you're not a sandbagger. The books, like, you're, oh you're, man, we I all wish, have sandbaggers I, in our in our midst, and you know oh a sandbagger. Gosh. And I love. I will call out a friend for being a sandbagger immediately. Nick Crawford, I'm looking at you. If you're listening to this episode <laughs> right now, you're a sandbagger. Post all your scores, damn it, Kevin Cash, you too. But hey, this is great, man. Episode 15. It's so fun to be back. I know for me, I get through Christmas, and it's like golf season's almost here the holidays are done the trees down the lights are off the house it is almost time as you just said light at the end of the tunnel and uh, we're not quite sure what the full off season schedule is going to be we want to kind of put a couple of these out and we're going to fire fully back up in april for masters week kind of like we did last year so we'll see how many more maybe one a month maybe more than that maybe less than that but we're just going to kind of go with the flow and golf season's almost here buddy i can't wait all right bro good to talk to you I, I think a lot of it depends on stuff that happens so if people start spouting stuff on twitter again and there's arguments we might have to get back on and talk about it like we did this time so look forward to that See if we get any other rankings and we'll settle those debates. That will do it. Episode 15, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, for EP, I'm Anitor Johnson. Episode 15 of the Grip City Golf Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. Ain't afraid of nothing. It's a natural fact. I hit it long, man. Till it's gone, man. Keep taking chances. Live at large. I hit it. People would have given up by now All the rough I've seen, these ups and downs Somehow I just keep on playing through